Dear friends, thank you for taking the time to listen to our Hope Canteen podcast, where we look at one of the upcoming readings for Sunday for insight into our walk with Christ. This happens to be a landmark podcast for us. This is our 50th episode. Hard to believe we have been at this now for so long. My name is Steve London, Rector at St. Thomas Anglican in Sherwood Park, Alberta, and joined as always by Stephanie London and Michael Rolfe. Stephanie also happens to be the pastor at St. Columba in Beaumont, and Michael is retired Archdeacon for the Diocese and Chaplain for the RCMP. So I am wondering on this a bit of a gray day, how, how is the day finding you today? I'm amazed it's our 50th podcast. I guess that that just shows how long this pandemic has been going on. <laughs> but apart from that, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine too. I, I am actually pleased that it's cloudy and threatening to rain <laughs> because we really do need the rain. Right. I understand there's some wildfires. And then, of course, we had the fire in St. Albert uh, yesterday, yeah. which we're keeping those people in our prayers. So... Yeah, I am too. I'm pleased about the rain. I actually went for a walk today uh, and actually enjoyed the the wind and the, the rain. It wasn't pouring. It was, it was just refreshing. So anyway, spring is here. This week on our podcast, we are looking at one of the core teachings for which Jesus is most famous. And if you wish to read it ahead of time, you can pause the podcast here and turn in your Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. As I mentioned, this is the teaching that even non-Christians turn to. It is his encouragement to his followers that they love one another. And in fact, it goes way beyond encouragement. Jesus actually makes it a commandment. He says to them, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends and you are my friends if you do what I command you. So he elaborates that he no longer calls them servants. They are his friends. We are his friends. We are his friends if we love one another like he loves us. This is simple but quite profound. And I'm glad that Stephanie and Michael are here to help me explore this great commandment to love one another. So I'm curious when you hear Jesus saying all of these things, what speaks to you? It always sounds to me like these these nesting dolls of abiding in each other and uh, drawing love from from each other. It's it's God's love and then Jesus' love and then our love and it's it's kind of these these nesting dolls. I'm caught by the the phrase that says, "I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you." and that your joy may be complete. Because he's saying this, like he's, he's arrived in Jerusalem and he's on his way to crucifixion. And, and here he is talking about joy. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But of course, John's gospel was written much later uh, and it would have been, he would be remembering these words for people who probably needed some joy at that point too, because they were really persecuted. So yeah. What, what's this about joy in the middle of all this grief and, and anxiety? I think it must be a joy that transcends the circumstances they're in. It's, it's remarkable, I think, that Jesus can, can talk about joy when he's about to do exactly what he says, lay down his life for his friends. 
I think that has to be absolutely right. And to be honest, I think it probably has to do with our understanding of what love is. I'm guessing it's fairly anemic compared to what Jesus is talking about here. We often say, oh, love one another. Well, that sounds like just, you know, some hippie thing to say that, you know, we don't deal with the realities of life. But I think what Jesus would say, you don't actually understand love then. You don't understand the power of it and the vastness of it, that this is actually the both the, the, the transcendent center around which you should build your life. It should be the spirit of everything you do. And if you completely live out of love, then you will know joy. And if you think love doesn't connect to joy, I, this is my understanding of what he would say, then you need to figure out how to love a little bit more and then you'll see what that looks like. I think there's a power to love. I mean, it's this question, what would drive someone to sacrifice themselves for their friends? I know often in the military, they use this. This idea is, what is a love where you get nothing out of it, where you don't get any feelings, you don't get any celebration. In fact, you are going to die. And yet this love is so profound, so much deeper than even life itself. You'll lay down your life for your friends. I I think I think that is pretty huge. I hear this around Remembrance Day. Mm -hmm. It's one of those one of those passages that we read, and and it it's easy to read and and without taking in the full context. And, and well, my goodness, yes, what on earth is this about? Well, and this is what I was thinking when I said in my introduction that even non Christians appeal to this, right? I think people intuitively know that Jesus is speaking truth here, that greater love has no one than this, than to lay down their lives for their friends. So if you're not a Christian, I think that resonates with you. And then I think as Christians, we say, and there's even more to that than you can possibly imagine. I think I would, I would want to extend it as well, because we can look and, and say that this happens in, in the Jesus way, actually laying down your life for your friends and in the the heroic sense of martyrdom or um, self self-giving on behalf of someone else but i think that happens in all sorts of much less dramatic ways as well if you're taking on the care of someone else in a sense you're laying down your life for that person you're saying i'm going to put myself second so that so that I can I can lift you up in love. If you take on the care of, say, an aging parent or a baby who's giving you nothing in return, that, that's also laying down your life for someone. It's saying, I'm going to extend this love to you. Dare I use the word sacrifice? Yes. <laughs> we yeah, sacrifice. In, sense. in order to do anything like this, we have to make a sacrifice because in order to uh, assist others to love others we have to give up something that is precious to us in in this case the, the greatest gift of all our life is something that we're prepared to sacrifice for the love of others that's scary but you know on the other hand i think it's also what makes love so powerful because if i loved my children because i got money for doing that or for all kinds of reasons, my children would think that I was only doing this for those reasons. But I think what the sacrifice says is they understand that they're valuable just in and of themselves, that I get nothing out of this. I mean, they do get the organic 
rewards of love, right? Which is this connection and, and building. But I think we have to say that's a secondary, that's a secondary thing. But if somebody is loved for nothing in return, then they know they're valuable. And people who know they're valuable grow up to be loving people. So it's an ongoing, I think, cycle. Yeah, and that cycle reflects just what exactly what Jesus is talking about, that he has made known to us everything that he's heard from God the Father, and that that the the fruit in our lives comes from that that relationship and that connection back through Jesus to the life of God. I think one of the things that's worth noting about Jesus-shaped love is you know, when Jesus says love one another and later when john will write in one of his letters god is love and the question well what is that love they didn't go and look it up in a dictionary they didn't pull it off the shelf and go l l l here we go l o v e oh love is this that and the other thing they looked at jesus like he taught them what that looked like because i think we often you know we have all kinds of meanings of love like if you go to the bookstore there's all kinds of there's a you know, hundreds of books in the romance section, you know, with people, you know, tearing their shirts and, you know, bearing their six ripped abs, ripped abs. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's not what Jesus means by it, right? This is a completely different thing. So we can have other meanings of love, but if we want to say what love is, we have to look at Jesus. What did Jesus teach us about love? And he reached out to the people who were rejected. He raised up all those people no one was talking to. He healed people who were struggling. He had time for the people who are not, you know, the most educated or wealthy or what have you. He, he showed real care for everyone. I find myself musing on, the, the, again, on sacrifice. Like, yes, it's not about the reward that we get. But it's more than that. It's it's about what we no longer have. It's about giving up uh, something that is precious. Um, I, I know I said that already, and, and I just find that I'm I, I'm dwelling there because there, there's a cost to love. There's a cost to this sacrifice. You know, if I if I if I love yes, I love my wife, uh, and we chose we chose to marry. But we also gave up our, our, the freedom to, that we had at that time to, in order to be combined in marriage. And the same is true so many times. It, it, we make the sacrifice. We decide that we will no longer uh, enjoy this over here because now we have found joy. We will find joy in a new place. Um, and, and I guess that's perhaps what Jesus was talking about, uh, giving joy through the act of self-giving in a sense that also leads to the it's one of the ways we put to death our our false self you can see that sometimes i go round and round in circles <laughs> that's what i'm doing this morning about this no michael i i actually really appreciate that i find that 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 phrase there is a cost to love that's profound like the sacrifice is built into it and i i guess i hadn't thought of that that actually helps my sermon for this Sunday. Thank you very much. But it also probably is the reason why we point to the cross that there is built in. When we say God is love, you know, why don't we just imagine, you know, kind of a, a dowdy old grandfather figure who just pats everybody on the head, that it's bigger than that, that this is a costly love. This is someone who will 
will pour out everything in Jesus Christ out of love. And so this is why the cross becomes our greatest symbol of love, why we wear it around our neck and why we post it in our churches, that it's, it's this costly love. But that's how much God loves us and then wants us to do that for the world. Yeah, we become the, the image of the love of God. We're the ones who bear this imprint of the heart of God out um, to where, where people will see that. So just as, as uh, Jesus' friends saw it embodied in him, our call is then for, to embody it as well in our own lives. It's important to remember that following in the way of the cross was not the last step for Jesus. And, and, and it wasn't, yeah, it, it was in one way, it was, it was a stepping stone to something even greater, a greater, a, a greater cause. He, he was giving up his life so that he could go to prepare a place for us, as he said. And, and, and so there was, it was beyond that. He, he had to go through the crucifixion in order to, and we'll be talking about this uh, later this week when we get to Ascension Day, the giving of his life on the cross was not just a, an end thing. It was, it was a step to something far greater that had been promised, that he was promising to, to all of us. And I think that's right. I, and then it points to beyond, because when I talked about at the beginning that we have perhaps an anemic understanding of love, you know, I, I think of Dante, who in his famous poem, the Paradiso ends it with this understanding that it is ultimately love that moves even the stars themselves, that the love is God, which means that love is the ultimate fabric of everything in which we can participate. So there is, as you can see, a lot to explore here. We could keep going. I love these podcasts because it actually went in a direction that I hadn't even planned. And that's exactly why I love these podcasts. <laughs> so as we come to the end of the podcast, though, as always, we do look to these and ask, well, what does this speak to us personally? And I'm just curious, what, what do you hear in these words for you? I hear this invitation to share in the life of God. Colossians talks about Jesus being the image of God and and image is, is um, it's the word for icon of, of God. And I'm thinking of that, the famous Ruble of Trinity icon where there's a space in around the table with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for us as well. And in, in this reading, I, just, I get that sense of being invited into that table, that, that God is just sharing life and pouring love through us. Um, it's a, a real sense of, of motion. So I think what I'll, I'll take from this one is, you know, how do, how do I remember that I'm this part, part of this great love, this great life of God with the whole universe? And um, how, how do I know that more fully and share that more fully? My mind is focusing on the, that, that one line that I read earlier. Uh, Jesus said, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He was offering that to the disciples at a time of great uncertainty. He, uh, John included it in his gospel at the end of the first century to uh, encourage the community that was under, uh, under a lot of stress at that time. They were, they were being persecuted. And I hear those words today. Uh, you know, it, as a, yes, there will be joy. 
there are there are days when I I don't feel a lot of joy because of uh, this pandemic. But uh, I'm I want to hear Jesus again tell me that it's okay that I I'm saying these words to you, so that uh, your joy may be complete. Uh, I look for that. I think for me, it's always this question of how do we hear the commandments? Because I, I often heard that we need to love like Jesus. And honestly, I, I don't love like Jesus. I'm not even close to in the ballpark of being able to love like Jesus. But the grace that God gave to me is when somebody told me, you can't give what you don't receive. And what I heard from that is that to love more I have to be able to receive from Jesus. And there was a Puritan who had a quote that I meditate often. He says, start every day warming yourself at the fire of Jesus' love. And for me, that means before I start judging myself on if I can or can't love this person or that person, spend some time reminding myself and, and, and receiving that love that Jesus just pours out. There's a quote from SSJE, the, the brothers of SSJE that I appreciate. And he speaks gracefully. He says, if you can't love Jesus with your whole heart, love Jesus just a little bit, or rather let Jesus love you just a little, as much as you're able to receive his love. And I think to me, that's always a reminder. Don't start by saying, can I love all these people? Start with receiving the love of God, and then it will just naturally follow from that. And I think that's that's what Jesus wants. Okay, Steve, can we do another podcast, like have two this week? Because you've just introduced a whole nother theme <laughs> that I think we could spend 15 or 20 minutes talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes these great. Thanks, Michael. Well, for this one, though, we are out of time. And listeners, we are so grateful that you've taken the time to listen to our podcast. Um, if you do have any comments or questions, your own thoughts about giving and receiving love as Jesus has commanded us, please let us know. You can put it on the website or send it to me, RevStevelondon at gmail.com. Until then, next week, uh, we will talk about ascension. God bless. Have a lovely day. <laughs>